Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Well, welcome to church. So glad you're here with us. Pastor Mark started this series a few weeks ago called called Jailbreak, and we've been he's been talking about the things that we you know we are stuck in and things that we need to break free from. And God has this plan that we can break free from these different things. And and uh, today we are going to be specifically talking about financial freedom. And the reality is, the Bible speaks a ton about money and about about finances and all those kinds of things. In fact, just directly speaking of money, it actually references over 800 times the Bible references money. Or if you want to look at more specifically and just in generalities, there's over 2,000 references to, to finances in one form or another. Now, just in, in relation to maybe other important topics in the Christian faith, like prayer or, or faith, well, both of those times, those, those, those things are actually only mentioned about 500 times in Scripture. So the Bible talks a ton about money, and clearly God has this big plan for money and finances and how we relate to it and, and what, you know, how, how we do, use our money and all those kinds of things. So we're going to get into all that today. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different verses. But I want to focus in uh, to start us off with this verse in in Matthew uh, about uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 to 33. And it says this. It says, if God cares so wonderfully for the wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but the Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, here's the reality. We are all guilty of this. Each and every one of us, I, we have been in that place where we worry about these things. We worry about how are we going to pay for these things? How, how are we going to get out of this situation? How are we going to provide for this? And, and we've all been there. But in the middle of this passage, there is a promise here that every one of us want. We all want this financial freedom that we see talked about here, where he says he will take care of our every need and he will provide for us in an incredible way. And, and for, for me, in many ways, this whole, this whole thing called financial freedom is kind of like a race. And now, I, I've never participated in, in any kind of official race, at least not that I remember, except for maybe in high school when, you know, you did track and field and all that stuff like a million years ago. And, uh, but I do remember one time, and I don't even remember why we were doing this as a staff, but we, I think it was a fitness thing we were doing a whole bunch of years ago. And a bunch of us were doing a jog around the building. Now, we have a big building. This building is 185,000 square feet, and it's a big building. And, and so a whole bunch of us just, you know, decided we were going to do this, this jog around the building. Now, here's the thing. I'm super competitive. If you know me, you know that I'm very competitive. But there's a person that also works here that's even more competitive than me, and it's Alfie Newman, our Kids Rock director. And, uh, and I, you know, here, here was the challenge. I knew there was not a chance in this world I could beat her in endurance because she was in way better shape than I was. But I'm twice her height, uh, or maybe three times, and I'm way taller than she is. I have way longer legs, and so I can run faster, just not, not for a longer period of time. And so this is what I knew, and I, in my mind, I thought, you know what? If I start running fast, she's going to try to keep up with me. And then I'll just keep pushing a little bit more, a little bit more, and, I'll, and she won't be able to last because she will burn out. She'll run way faster than she's capable of running. 
and then she'll give up, and then I'll win. And so that's what we did. And I just did this thing and, and, and kept running. And eventually she was, okay, that's it. I gave up. And, and we'd only been like a quarter of the way around the building. Now, what she didn't know at the time is I probably could have only went for another minute or so, and then I was done. And if she had just slowed down a little bit and kept going, she would have so outlasted me because there was no way I could have run around the whole building. And she actually could have. And until this very moment, I don't know if I've ever admitted that to her because I, I'm a pretty competitive guy, and so is she. But I beat her. I outsmarted her, and that's all that matters. And so this race that we're talking about here when it comes to financial freedom is a little different than that kind of race. This race, that when I think about with financial freedom, is actually more like a relay race, uh, sorry, a hurdle race. And you know, we've seen, these, we've seen these races, we watch the Olympics and you see them and they're jumping over these hurdles and they, they just, it looks effortless and they jump hurdle after hurdle and they, they keep going and you think, wow, that looks, that looks easy. But you know what? It is so much harder than it looks. It is a very challenging thing to do to get the timing right and, and all those things and, and, and the way they run and jump and all that kind of, it's just crazy. And I want to show you this video and this is how the pros do it when they are doing hurdle racing. Here you go, they, they start jumping and, whoa, okay, well, maybe almost a pro. Wow. Oh, that, that looks like it hurt. And wow, okay, yeah. Oh, that was right on the head. That, that's just planet embarrassing. This is actually more like I think the way I would run a hurdle race if I was running. I'd be just like, you know what? I am done. Forget this. And uh, it's just just too hard for me. And you know, here's here's the reality. Running these hurdle sprints and these hurdle races is a lot of work. It is a very challenging thing. There's a lot to learn and how to overcome the hurdles and how to run through these hurdles and keep your speed up and all those kinds of things. And, and because I'm a visual person and, and I, when I can see something with my eyes, I understand it better. We've actually created our own little hurdle race right here in front of me. And uh, let me just come down here and show you. And you know, of course, we start with the, with the starting blocks. And in this part of the race, this is the part that represents when we are struggling in our finances, when we do not have financial freedom, we have financial bondage, and we have, we have chains around us in, in all our finances. And then we have these hurdles that we have to jump over. And of course, what we want to do is get over here to the goal. And we want to get to the finish line. And right here is financial freedom. And when we get to this point, we're at this place of financial freedom. But the problem is that we have to get over these hurdles first. There is no shortcut to the end. We have to get over the hurdles. And so we want to talk about these different hurdles today. And the first hurdle that we're going to talk about is stewardship. Now, stewardship is just a big fancy word, and it actually just means manager of, of you know, of the finances or overseer or, or you know, how, how to be wise with, with the finances. And that's what this is talking about. And we're going to look at what the scripture says because the scripture talks a ton about being wise with our finances. And in fact, what we're going to look at is, is a popular parable that, that Jesus told. And, and you know, we, we all are going to know, you're going to recognize the story, uh, this parable that Jesus told. And it's in Matthew 25, verse 15. And it says this. It says, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it up in proportion to their ability. And then he left on his trip. Now, I want you to notice something in this passage. Of course, first of all, we see that Jesus you know, told this parable of giving different amounts of money, and he actually said he gave it to them based on their ability. In other words, based on their ability to manage the finances well, or their stewardship, and how they were going to do with the finances. And so he, the, the one that was more able was actually given more, and the one that was less able was, was given less. 
And, and so then what happened, of course, we know the story. We know what, what happens is the man left, and when he came back, he evaluated them on how they did, how they handled, how did they steward the finances that were given to them. And, and we read that at the end of this passage in Matthew 25, 29 to 30, it says, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And, and they will have an abundance. So we, here we have a promise for what will happen for those who steward things well. But those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant out into, into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so here we have this, this parable, and Jesus is saying, you, if we steward well, then more will be given, and we will receive and get to the, the goal of financial freedom. And if we don't steward well, we will not get there. And we see this promise, and, and, and so when we look at stewardship, and we try to figure out, okay, well, what does stewardship mean? Well, how do, we, how do we become a good steward? Well, honestly, one of the things we have to start by doing is, is getting out of debt. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says this, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. And now, I understand that not all debts are created equal. Fair, fair enough. If, if you want to buy, you know, you need to live somewhere. You can't, if you're not going to live on the street, you either have to rent a home or, or buy a home and have a mortgage. And that's just the reality. And, and you know, the, usually, not always, but usually, it makes more economical sense to have a mortgage and rent and purchase a home than it does to pay rent. And so there, you know, not all debt is created equal. And I understand that. But the reality is, we choose debt all the time, and I have been guilty of this as well, that is not, uh, ec- does not make economical sense. We choose debt to, to buy TVs. We choose debt to buy the different toys that we, we want to have. We choose debt to, uh, honestly, we use credit cards to pay for, for meals and food, eating out that sometimes we can't afford. We use debt to do these things. Even, you know, my personal opinion, we, we use debt to take family vacations. And, you know, just my personal opinion, I don't think that's actually being a good steward of what we've been called to steward. And so we make these choices. And so, you know, if we're going to try to be a good steward, one of the things we have to do is get out of debt. The other thing we have to do is we actually have to act our wage. And yes, that's correct, act our wage. And what that means is we have to learn to live on less than we make. We're not government. You know, the government somehow does it. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they get away with that. And someday they're going to have to pay for that too. But they, we're not, that's not who we are. We, we have to learn to live on less than we make and not spend everything that, that comes in. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says this. It says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. And so what the Bible is saying is that when we spend everything, when we have whatever money comes in, if we send, spend it all, we are actually being foolish. And he actually comp- says that we are fools when we do that. And so the reality is, if we want to be a good steward, if we want to learn how to jump this hurdle and get over this hurdle, we are going to have to learn how to do that betterly, betterly, better. We're going to have to learn how to do that better. And the way we learn to do that better, honestly, is simple things like budgeting and saving. And I, I know that those are almost, they're almost swear words. People, I don't want to do that. I understand. I don't like doing it either. But it's the reality. The way we become a good steward is we, we, start to, we start to budget. We start to live within our means. We start to act our wage and, and be, save money and get ahead. G.K. Uh, Chesterton once said this. He says, there's two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more. And the other is to desire less. You know, I, I want to tell you a little bit 
about uh, about our story and and because we've struggled with this just like like everybody else and and uh, you know this is back a whole bunch of years ago about 20, 20 years ago or so where we were you know it's before we had kids and uh, I, I was married I had no children uh, so we had two incomes and um, and so you know what we were doing okay financially we were doing okay we had we had no debt and we just spent whatever we, we wanted and, and we, we made lots of bad choices we you know did those things where you you know buy this thing now pay later interest free uh, kind of d- loans and, and things that you can get these credit cards and we did all those things and we were enjoying all these things and, in, in this place of buying whatever we wanted and then what happened one day is we were you know in that season of spending money however we wanted to not being wise about it and I felt like the Lord challenged me he spoke to me and, and he said Dwayne you've squandered these seven good years that you've just had. And it wasn't literally a seven, seven years, but I understood what he was, he was referencing in the Old Testament and that whole passage. And, and he said, you've squandered the seven good years, and now the seven lean years are about to come, and they're going to be a lot tougher because you weren't, weren't wiser in the, in the first seven. And that's exactly what happened. And we struggled for the, the next uh, whole bunch of years and had to make all kinds of choices. And, and, and it was our fault. It was our fault because we were not wise. We were not being a good steward. And so we made a choice from that point on that we were going we to do better at that. And you know what? We are not perfect and we've made mistakes, but we worked at that and, and made a choice to become a better steward of, of our finances. Sort of reminds me of this story of this, this gentleman that, that was having all this pain in his arm. And, and so he went to see his doctor and, and uh, he said, doctor, you know, the, the, my arm, it's just, it's killing me right now. I don't know what, what's wrong. I don't know what to do about it. And the doctor says, okay, let me take a look. And he rolled up his sleeve and all of a sudden he was taken aback because the arm spoke to him. And, and the arm says, hey doc, you got 20 bucks? I'm desperate. And all of a sudden the doctor realizes, oh, I know what the problem is. Your arm is broke. Okay, just let that sink in for a moment. That's funnier than you're giving me credit for. I, I know it is. All right, so here's the first hurdle. The first hurdle here is, is stewardship, that you know, we have to become a good steward. We have to learn to manage our finances well. The second hurdle, we have to learn to jump, and we have to work at these and, and learn how to do this, is generosity. Now, the Bible speaks a ton about generosity and time after time after time it talks about how when we are generous and you're going to see some of those verses that that is how we actually get to financial freedom that being a generous being generous is, is a big part of that but the challenge is it's hard to be generous especially when you feel like you don't have enough and you're struggling in your finances how do you be generous how do you give money to others when you feel like you don't have enough for yourself or you don't have enough for yourself and we're going to look at that and we're going to start in this passage in Malachi and honestly, when we talk about generosity, where we have to start is, is about the tithe. And, and the tithe is basically giving 10% of your income to the place where you worship. Wherever, whatever is your church home, wherever you, uh, you know, attend church, wherever you worship, that is where you give your tithe. And, and the whole purpose of the tithe is actually to pay for the expenses of that place. And wherever you go, that's, that's what the purpose of the tithe is. And we have this passage in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 to 12, and it says this. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. 
If you, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. Well, that's a great promise. That is financial freedom. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. We have this incredible promise of, of blessing and financial freedom when we are willing to bring the tithe and, and, and give the tithe to our, our local church. And, and here's the thing. This is the only time in all Scripture where we're ever told to test God in anything. He actually tells us in this. He says, try it out. Let me try it out. Give it a test run. Give, give your tithe for you know, a few months and see how it goes. Give your tithe for a year and see how it goes. And let me prove to you, and I, will, if I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't have room to receive. It's the only place in Scripture we're told to test God. In fact, everywhere else in Scripture, we're told, do not test the Lord your God. But in this place, in this passage, he actually says to test him, to try it out. And I want you to picture something for a moment here. And, uh, you know, if you're a parent, you're going to have no problem imagining this. And if you're not, just, just work with me for a moment. And I want you to imagine yourself as a parent. And, and you're at McDonald's with your son. And this is what happens, because I have been there, and every parent has probably done this at one point. You're at McDonald's with your son, and you buy them some fries. And especially if you're the dad, you totally do this. The moms are nicer, so they don't. But the dads always do this. And you buy them some fries, and sure enough, at some point, you are going to reach in there and grab one fry. And you're going to get your fry. And now, different kids are different. And sometimes, what kids do is they slap your hand. Get away from those. Those are my fries. And they won't let you have a fry. And other kids are more generous. And, you know, we have to, you know, they're kids. And they're, they're figuring this thing out. And, you know, I understand that, that kids, it's, it's, it's human nature to be selfish. So, you know, we have to work on that and deal with that. But here they are. They're, they're not willing to share. But, you know, who purchased the fries? The dad did, or the mom did. They purchased the fries. They actually belong to them. They are giving them to their son, and they're just saying, hey, can I have one fry back in return? And it's selfish that they're not willing to share it. Now, I want you to take that picture and superimpose yourself over it for a moment between you and God. Because the reality is, everything we have has been provided by God. Everything we have. And, and tithe, the tithe in Scripture is actually a command in Scripture, something we're commanded to do. And when we are not willing to give that tithe, we are that child that's slapping God's hand and saying, no, don't touch this. This is mine. And, and we're being, that's, that's what the picture that we are being. When everything we have is God's and it becomes this place and we're, and we're robbing ourselves of the blessing that comes when we tithe. But tithe is actually just the beginning point. It's, it's, not, it's not the whole picture. There's actually so much more to generosity than just, than just the tithe. And there's this passage in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and it says, it says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, I think we don't fully understand this verse when we look at it, because there's a whole bunch of visuals in it. And so I want us to look at this together, just to help you to, to visualize this with me. And so let's put that verse back up on the screen. And here's, here's what it says. It says, give and, and you will receive. And so here's the picture of, of give and you will receive. So give, and now it's been given back to me. And it says, press down, shaken. And so you take this thing and you press it down and you shake it. Room for more. That's what it says in this verse, room for more. And then it says... Pouring in. 
This is the picture that this verse is talking about. It's saying, the measure, it says, the measure that you give is the measure you're going to receive. And when we give, it's given back to us, pressed down, shaken, room for more, and flowing over. And this is the, the illustration that God is giving us. When we are generous and when we are willing to do these things, that is how we're going to experience financial freedom. There's this, you know, many of you are going to be familiar with John Wesley, and, and you know, he, he, he was a, a big, big part of the church movement, and part of the Methodist church, starting the whole Methodist movement, and all those kinds of things back in the 1700s. And what you may or may not realize uh, about this man is that he was born in poverty. And when he, when he, was, when he was young, at one point, his, his dad actually was thrown into debtor's prison because he couldn't afford to pay the bills, and, and that was just his life. That's all he knew was, was poverty. And, and then he became a, a university professor at Oxford and, and things changed for him and now he you know had a, a you know a really decent job and, and was actually making real money and and so he did the same thing that that I was talking about earlier like most young people do you know spending whatever you had and and so that's what he did he, whatever money came in he spent it and and used it and, and wasted it and all kinds of things and and one day what happened is this this uh, chambermaid came by his his place and uh, had something to drop off and, and knocked on the door. And when he opened the door, he, he realized very quickly that, that she wasn't dressed for the weather because it was cold. And she was shivering, and, and, and he could tell that she actually had no means and had no, she didn't have the right kind of clothing to wear in, in that kind of weather. And, and so, you know, he thought to himself, well, let me, I'm going to help her. I'm going to bless her with that. And so he reached into his pocket and, and pulled out the money that he had. And, and as he looked at the money, he realized he didn't have enough that he didn't have enough to do the thing that he wanted to do and to bless this because he had, he had spent it all and he had used it on things that, that didn't actually matter. And as his, the years went on, he started to make some changes in how he, how he did, handled his finances. And, and what he made a choice to do as he got doing the preaching thing and into this whole thing, he made a choice to say, you know what, I can live on, on 30 pounds a year and that'll be sufficient. And I won't have a lot of the extra stuff, but that is enough for me to get by and to do everything that I need to do. And so he made a choice to say, no matter how much he makes, he's giving the rest away. And he's just going to live on, on 30 pounds a year. But at one point in his life, because he was you know, in a, a, a position that actually paid well, uh, and he continued to, to do well, the more, he, the more he gave, the more God blessed him over and over again. And at one point, he was actually making 1,400 pounds a year and only living on 30 and giving the rest away. Now, you're probably in the same situation as me and, and have no idea how much 30 pounds would have been or how much 1,400 pounds are uh, because, for one, we live in a whole different time era and we have a different currency. And so I did some math and I crunched the numbers to figure out what would that actually be. And here's what I found out. 1,400 pounds in today's Canadian dollar would be over $400,000. And so he was making over $400,000, but he was living on $9,000. And he was giving the rest away. And he spent his whole life doing that, living on $9,000 and giving the rest away. Now, clearly, I'm not telling us all that we should be giving away all that money. But here's my point. The more generous he became, the more God blessed him. And over and over and over again, God blessed him as he became more and more generous. Sort of reminds me of this elderly man who was actually on his, on his deathbed. And, and as he was lying there in his home, he spoke to his wife and said, you know, I need you to go to the fireplace. And there's this stone at the fireplace. And if you remove it, when you pull it out, you're going to see there's a, a shoebox. And in this shoebox, it's, it's full of money. Can you go get that shoebox and bring it to me? And the wife had never, didn't know it was there and hadn't heard of that. And so she went and 
got the shoebox and brought it to him. And he said, this is, this is what I want you to do because I want to take this with me when I go to heaven. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and take the shoebox and put it in the attic. And so then when I die, on my way up, I'm going to grab the money as I go and take it with me to heaven. And so she agrees and says, if that's what you want me to do, sure, that's what I'll do. And, and so she went and climbed up into the attic, put it up in the attic. And, and uh, you know, the next day he, he passed away. And, you know, a few days after that, the funeral happened. And, and after kind of all the dust settled from all the, the, the things that go along with the funeral and all those things, uh, she remembered and thought of it and thought, I wonder whatever happened to that shoebox and if, and if the money is still there. And so she goes and climbs up into the attic and opens the shoebox. And sure enough, the money is there. And she holds the money in her hand for a moment and then thinks about it. And she goes, oh, I knew I should have put it in the basement. <laughs> you might have to think about that one, too. All right, so here we've learned how to jump this first hurdle and this stewardship hurdle. We have to manage our finances well. The second hurdle that we have to learn how to overcome, learn how to jump is, is generosity, and we have to learn how to be more and more generous. And the third hurdle is probably the trickiest one, and it actually has to do with our motivation. And here's the question that you have to think about, because this one is the trickiest one. It's the hardest one because it actually is a little bit subtle. And the question is this, what is my motivation to get here to the goal? What is my motivation to get this financial freedom? And I want to look at this passage in Scripture about this, and uh, where we can look a little closer. And you're going to probably recognize this verse, because this is the reason when, when we're in church in person, we clap around the offering. And it's in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 7. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Once again, a promise about when we're generous and how that will be a blessing. We see it over and over again in Scripture. Then it says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now here's my question for you to think about for a moment. Why does it matter if we give cheerfully? Why would God care about that? Why does he care if we give cheerfully? Why does he just, be, wouldn't he just be happy if we just give? And the answer is because our heart attitude matters. The reason we are giving actually matters. It makes a difference. And if we are giving, if the only reason we're being generous is so that we can get, and it's all about us, we've missed the whole point, and we are gonna, we're going to stumble over this hurdle. We are not going to make it over this hurdle because our motivation is wrong. And the whole point of financial freedom is not so we can have more. The whole point of financial freedom is actually so that we can be a blessing to others. Over and over, you're going to see that in Scripture. And, and you know, in fact, when money becomes the thing, the goal, we get into so much trouble. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 says this. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. This is where people get hung up. They, they desire money, they desire these things, and, and then they get caught and they get stuck and, and, and make bad choices and stumble over this, this whole thing. But Jesus actually told us how we deal with this motivation issue. And he, he actually told us how we deal with it. And it's actually in the uh, story of the rich young ruler. And you know, you're probably going to be familiar with this. And you have this, the rich, this rich young ruler and he comes to Jesus and he says, how do I inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus looks at him and he says, well... Be, you know, obey all the commandments. And, and he said, you know, I've been doing that since my youth. And Jesus said, okay, great. Here's what I want you to do. Sell everything you own and come follow me. Now, I personally think that Jesus was offering him a position to be one of his disciples. 
But the reality is Jesus knew he had a heart issue. He had a motivation issue. And clearly he did because he chose to not. He chose to walk away and he walked away sad and, and, and gave up on the opportunity that he had because money was too much of a priority for him. But Jesus knew that if somebody has a motivation issue in finances and if they are driven by money, the way you overcome that drive and the way you overcome that, that motivation is actually generosity. And it comes back to this other hurdle. And when you, do, when you are generous and when you give away some of your finances, you actually defeat and break the hold that money has on your life because it's doing the opposite thing. Instead of clinging to it, we let it go. And it actually is the way we learn to overcome this hurdle. And so then we reach the finish line. And if we, if we can learn how to navigate all this and learn how to jump all these hurdles, we reach the finish line. But I know what happens when we get there. And I know that what happens when we, we think about this and we say, well, is there a shortcut? <laughs> is there a way to get to this finish line without doing these things? Or, you know, I'll do these things later. Let me have financial freedom first. And then, then I'll do these things. And, and you know what? Let me just say this. It's actually for your benefit that God doesn't do it that way. This passage in Matthew 19, verse 24, is actually right after the whole rich young ruler thing. And it says this, it says, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And here's the challenge. You know, this, and this is what we want. We want the shortcut. We want to be able to say, okay, you know what? I want to get here. I want to get to this financial freedom. And I don't want to have to do those things. I'll I'll do those things later after I have money. But the problem is that they become harder after. And and God is actually saving us by saying, no, I want you to first learn how to do them. Because when we have financial freedom, when we have more money, what happens is the hurdles get harder. And motivation becomes harder. Because what happens is now I have more money and it's easier for it to grip a hold of our heart. And it's easier for it to take hold and for us to not be willing to let it go. And and so this hurdle becomes harder. And if we didn't learn how to jump it before, we're going to have a harder time jumping it now. And the same thing happens with generosity. If if we already have, if if we have financial freedom, this hurdle gets higher as well. And what happens is, is, you know, if we give the same amount, even if we give the same amount we were giving before, it's actually percentage-wise, it's less than we were giving. We are being less generous than we were before, and it becomes harder to actually give when you have more money. You see it time and time again. It's harder to be generous when you have more financial freedom. And stewardship is in the same boat. And what happens is when, when you have more financial freedom and you have more resources, it is way harder to be a good steward because all of the, of the incentive has been taken away. And you know, before you used to have the incentive was I have to make ends meet and I have to do things to make sure I don't get into trouble. And when all of a sudden we have financial freedom and we have these things, it's easier to not be a good steward because you don't worry about it. You just spend whatever, whatever you want. And, and so these principles that God has, has, has laid out in Scripture, the reality is when we, when we receive, receive financial freedom, these get harder and harder and harder. And God is actually protecting us. He's actually saving us. As odd as that seems, he is actually helping us by not allowing us a shortcut and not allowing us to get there first and teaching us to actually learn to overcome and run, jump over these hurdles. Now, I want to close by just one final story, and I want to finish that story in, in my journey with, with this. And, you know, I talked about how we were in the seven lean years and we struggled and, and you know, we had to do all kinds of things to try to be a good steward. And, and um, 
we, you know, we caught a whole bunch of things. We had all kinds of, of things that we wanted and used to have, and we said, okay, we're just we're getting rid of them, and we got rid of a bunch of things that were really hard for us to get rid of. We did the coupon cutting and, and you know, found deals on everything. We, we didn't buy brand name things. We bought all no-name brand. We were just doing whatever we could to save money and to be a good steward. But one of the things that the Lord really challenged us in was our generosity and encouraged us to be more and more willing to be generous and to give more and more. And that was hard because we were in, in, in tough times. And, but we just made a choice. We felt like that was something God was stirring us to do. He felt like he was challenging us to be willing to step out. And, and so we made a choice to try our best to every year to give a, a greater percentage than we'd given the year before. And we had one year where we actually gave 30% of our income away. And, uh, you know, we never did it again. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to pretend like that's what we did. That's, you know, it was only once. But one year we gave away 30% of our income. But that year was in those seven lean years. It was in the year when we didn't have much and we were struggling to make, it, make ends meet and had to work through things. And, and every year, you know, for, for the last 20 years, that's been our goal and that's what we've been doing. And, you know, what happened for us is we continued on this journey. By the time I was, by the time I was 43 years old, we were completely debt-free, mortgage-free. We had, we had no debt. We own the home that we live in, and we've had no debt since then. And, and we are at this place now that we're in this financial freedom. And, and you know, we, we decided we want to keep being generous. We want to keep doing things. And so, you know, one of the things, of course, I start with the tithe, and, and we actually give more than our tithe. We give to missions monthly. We, we have four sponsor children that we sponsor in Uganda. We contribute to an orphanage on a monthly basis and, and give, like I said, to missions as well and, and other things as they, as they come up. And we have, just, we have felt like God has challenged us and stirred us to be more and more generous. And, and as we've been doing that, God has brought us to this place of financial freedom. And so, you know, as, as I'm closing here, let me just, let me just you know, encourage you in, in one little thing. And I'm going to give you sort of a shameless plug and, uh, you, you know, if you were kind of going, hey, how do I become more generous? What are some things that I can do? Well, you need to start with the tithe. And that, that's where you start. And that's a, it's a command in Scripture. And so you start there. But if that's what you're already doing, there's lots of ways to be more generous. Lots of options. People all around you. There's needs all around you. One option is uh, sponsor a child. And, uh, you know, this is, here's my shameless little plug. There's a, uh, we, Church of the Rock partners with, uh, World Focus, and, uh, here's, here's their website, and you can go to this website, and you'll see there are children you can sponsor there. I've actually met all four of my sponsored children. Actually, I've met all the children that Church of the Rock sponsors in, in, in general, because we go to that village where they are, and we've met these children, and we see firsthand the results of, of these children being sponsored, and, and so if you're looking for something, you can go to that World Focus website and sponsor a child, and there's an opportunity for you to be generous. Let me just close by saying this. God actually has a plan for you, and his plan for you is financial freedom. His plan for you, it is an achievable goal. It is something that you can achieve, but you will not get there if you first don't learn to jump these hurdles. And as you learn to jump these hurdles, there's a promise in Scripture for each and every one of us that we can get to that point of financial freedom. I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, you know, we, we've been talking about money this whole time, but I know that there's probably some people watching right now and you don't actually have a relationship with God at all. And, or maybe you used to, and that was a long time ago, and, and now you're just sort of doing your own thing and, and living your own way. But God actually has a plan for you, and, and, and he sent his son to die on the cross for you so that you could have a relationship with him. 
And, and he's giving you an opportunity at this very moment to say yes to that, to that relationship. And it's really simple. You just click the little hand that comes up on your screen. And, and by clicking that little hand, you're saying, yeah, that's me. I want to make my life right with the Lord. And here's what we're going to do. I want you to click that hand right now if that's you. And we're going to say a prayer together, and it's just a prayer inviting Jesus into your life, and it's making that decision official, in a sense, with God, and saying, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. So let's, let's take a minute, and let's pray together, and just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I know I'm a sinner, and I've made lots of mistakes, but I change that today. And today, I make you the Lord of my life. Today I choose you. Please forgive my sins and change me into a new person. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I am so excited for you and you made that decision today. It's the start of this incredible journey that God has for you. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.